Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Let's jump in. Um, Last week of A Generous Life, we're going to talk about the blessings of living generously. Um, I didn't start there. I didn't start the series there because I don't want you to be generous for what you can get because then that defeats the whole purpose of being generous. And so we're looking at this verse in Proverbs where it says that the world of the rich, uh, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets what, guys? Gets what? Smaller and smaller. It says the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. And so we're looking at these principles of generosity that I want to help us understand that that generosity just isn't about finances, that God has given us resources, God has given us time and gifting and things that, that we're to use to be generous. And so we all have gifts that we can be generous with. And so it's not just, you know, about finances. And actually our attitude is more important than the amount of time and energy and money that the attitude in which we give, we have to understand that everything comes from God, that when we are generous with what he has given us and we store that he provides and he also gives increase. And then we also just have to like, not just talk about and think about wanting to be generous. We have to do some work. And so I challenged you guys, like, look, look at your calendars, look at your budgets, look at your schedule, where are you putting energy and finances? And I was talking to a couple of our coordinators this morning, like, I got convicted because I was like, I thought I was okay. And then I went and took a look at my finances for the last six weeks. I mean, I keep up with it, but you don't always dig into the dirt, right? until you're prodded to, and guys, like what we spend eating out, I was a little embarrassed by, just to be honest. And so now I know going forward, like there's some things we've got to cut out. Like when Taco Bell for three people costs like $40 almost, you know you got to change some things up, right? And we just can't keep doing it. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't done that yet, take a look at your calendar. Take a look at your budget. Ask God, show me where I can be more generous and then start moving in that direction obediently. So this week we want to talk about about the blessings of being generous. Acts 20, verses 34 and 35, he says, Paul is writing here. He says, you know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs, even the needs of those who were with me. And so Paul is a church planner. He's an apostle, but he's not really getting a salary from any church. And so what he's doing is he's actually bivocational. He is working to get paid so that he can plant churches, but then he's also using some of that money and and time to take care of those that are helping him. 
And he says in verse 35, and I've been a constant example on how you can help those in need by working hard. And this is where we're going to land. It says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more what? You guys don't believe that, right? It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And even those who do not call themselves Christians, don't follow Jesus at any level, have probably heard this at some point. The most good-hearted, philanthropic person who's generous has probably heard this and quoted this, that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And and so Paul is quoting Jesus here, and it's not something we can go back and and we can read in the Gospels, but he's heard this, and it's, it's very reminiscent, and we remember kind of the Beatitudes at the beginning of Matthew chapter five, where it says, blessed are the poor in spirit right? For they will receive the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those. And so we see this word blessed. And, and to understand that by today's terms, we can replace, replace that with the word happy, with the word joyful. And so, you know, more joyful are those, happier are those that give than those that receive. And so we say that, but is it really like, like if we were to really dig down and put ourselves in some scenarios where we have the opportunity to give or the opportunity to receive, what would be our first response that we would want to do? So let's just say, for instance, that you found an envelope of cash anonymously addressed to you, no strings attached. Would you want to receive that or would you want to secretly write a check to pay for someone's utilities without them knowing that you did it first response what would you want this season like give me that cash right no but but when we think about that like our first it's it's okay you don't have to be holy here like we can be real like which would you rather do think about your workplace would you rather get the promotion and the raise um at work or would you rather promote a coat drive to be able to provide coats for those less fortunate which would you which would you rather have if you had to choose one of those two like 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 we know we should choose the coat drive right but selfishly like give me that promotion and raise and I'll buy you more coats right <laughs> right so the next one is this would you rather spend the weekend driving your in-laws around or going to a sporting event. They're in for the weekend. They're from out of town. Which would you, 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 you're snickering. Don't look at your spouse, right? <laughs> Don't. Which would you rather do? Like, it would be hard because I'm like, I'm all about the Grizzlies right now. They are just so fun to watch. Let's go. And maybe you're not into sports. Maybe like concerts are more your thing. And so you would rather go to a concert. That would, that would be you. And so like Taylor Swift, right? Um, she broke like Ticketmaster last week. You guys heard that, right? Like shut it down. And her response was like, guys, just shake it off. Just kidding. <laughs> just shake it off. And so maybe that you like, <laughs> you're like, what? That's okay. Got it. That's a good one, right? That's a good one, right? I thought about that all week. I was like, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. Shake it off. But in all reality, we, we know what the correct answer is is to do the things that are selfless. But our flesh wants to do the things that are selfish. 
And so we can receive that cash and we spend it and it's gone and we go to the Grizzlies game or the concert of your choice or you go shopping or whatever and, and, and you have that time and there's joy in that moment, but it ends there. That when we are generous with what God has given us, it doesn't say that, that it's not blessed to receive, but what's the word? It is what? More blessed is that there is joy and there is happiness that comes after the fact. And so we're going to talk about some of those things this morning. So, you know, the first one I think of as I'm reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is that generosity is contagious. Like it's contagious. It just doesn't affect you. When you're around generous people, you become generous. If you're generous and you become around pe- and you're around people that aren't generous, that is going to impact them. And Paul even says this when he's writing to the church in Corinth. He says, in fact, he says, listen, guys, in fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving that Paul went to Macedonia and it was the the church in Corinth that originally had this idea and they were excited about giving. Let's give to the believers in Jerusalem. And Paul goes and shares their enthusiasm for generosity and it's contagious. And two things that we know that are contagious, like attitudes and colds, right? Last week, my youngest daughter had the flu, like fever all week. And then Monday, I woke up with fever and Tuesday with fever. So we know like sickness is contagious, but attitudes are also contagious. Would you agree? Like when you're around people with a positive attitude, what happens? Like you become, that's why I love talking to my overseer, Pastor Jason Price. Like he is one of the most energetic and positive people I can ever, like I can just be all kinds of down. And after a 20 minute conversation with him, I can go tackle the world almost, right? But I can't clean the garage. I need him to help me clean the garage. But when we are around people with positive attitudes, it affects us. When we are around people who are generous, it makes us want to be generous. And when you are a generous person and people see that in you, they want to become generous, especially for those of us who are parents. We want to have generous kids become generous adults, guess what? We have to be generous adults. And so Paul is saying, look, they were stirred by your enthusiasm. Um, Generosity does this. Generosity leaves a legacy. Paul is writing here in verse nine. He says, as the scripture says, generosity leaves a legacy. They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Generosity leaves a legacy. What we do for those around us will long outlast what we do for ourselves. And we never understand, we, like we can't fully understand the impact of our generosity in someone else's life. I was talking with, with a young man after church last Sunday about this principle in that, that you may do something for someone and then it so greatly impacts their life that it flows into their children's life and their children's lives are impacted, and it flows into their children's lives. And so you're not just impacting impacting and influencing those that we see today, that you're interacting with today, but it's like generations down the line. Because of our generosity, generosity leaves a legacy. How many of you guys have heard of Andrew Carnegie? I've heard it pronounced both ways. Andrew Carnegie, Andrew Carnegie. Um, And so he is 
the equivalent of today's Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. In the late 1800s, early 1900s, he was this great steel entrepreneur. And, you know, looking at Elon Musk two years ago, his um, personal wealth was right around $22 billion. It's insane. In two years, it's now jumped to just under $200 billion. That's ridiculous. Um, as of Friday, I know, it's like in two years, it's like, can I get a raise? Come on. <laughs> like, a, like, a, like, that's insane. And then on Friday, though, he lost $2.1 billion. Like, that's, I can't imagine. Like, if I lose $20, I'm freaking out. Dude lost $2.1 billion. And so he is currently the richest man in the world. But if you look at Andrew Carnegie and were to compare his wealth then with inflation to what it would be now, Andrew Carnegie just blow him out the water. It's like, it's like $309 billion dollars. $309 billion is the equivalent of what his wealth would be today. That is insane. And, and he has this quote. He says, the man who dies rich dies disgraced. And we even know in scripture says that we come into this world with nothing. We're going to leave this world with nothing. So we should do something with it while we are here, not just financially, but with everything that God's given us. And he's known not just for being a steel entrepreneur, but he's also kind of known as like the father of philanthropy and that he started charities, he started foundations. Um, and one of the cool things that I was finding as I was kind of researching, he built universities and grants, and a lot of those are still active today. Uh, but one of the things he's, he's most known for is kind of the patron saint of libraries, that, that he helped start public libraries. How many of us, well, <laughs> probably not many of us go to the library today, right? But, but come on, Matthew, let's go. Um, I have a library card, but I use it for audible books, right? Let's go. Um, <laughs> because I like listening. But, but he built, okay? After he retired, he built, spent $55 million and founded 2,509 libraries. That's insane. Um, it's the equivalent of spending $1.6 billion today. So that's awesome. But I don't want you to remember Andrew Carnegie because you think, well, I don't have that kind of cash flow to be able to make that kind of difference. But what you may not know is that the reason that he built libraries is because when he was a merchant boy, when he was running errands for his boss, there was a Colonel Anderson who was in his town that had a small library of about 300 books. And he opened up his library to the boys that were working so they could come and check out books on the weekend and return them back the next weekend. That's how Andrew Carnegie got his education. Didn't go to college, didn't go to high school. He got his education because someone was generous with his library, with his books, Get that. You don't have to have millions of dollars. You don't have to have all kinds of, what do you have? And we said this the first week. What do you have that you can be generous with now that can impact somebody? He was loaning his books to the would-be richest man in the world at that time. Had no idea. Imagine the impact that your generosity can leave without you even knowing. Generosity leaves a legacy, guys. The other thing that generosity does, and we'll keep reading in verse 10, 
It says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources, provide and increase your resources, and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. This is a principle that gets a bad rap sometimes, but generosity brings increase. Generosity brings increase. What you, know, what you give, what you sow, it's a principle of sowing and reaping. You will receive back, but not just back. According to the scripture, it says that you receive more. You will receive an increase. He will provide and he will increase. You sow generously, you what, guys? You reap generously. You sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And this is a principle, honestly, that, that I practice, not just for the reason of getting, because that's not the purpose. It says so that you can always be generous. Personally, I've been generous with my time, my conversations, my prayer, my finances, because I know there's going to be a return on it. There's going to be an increase on it. As a church, as a church plant, we gave to another church plant before we ever started in the city. Didn't have really a lot to give, but I was trusting God. Like, I'm sowing a seed for what I need. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but it did, right? And even when another established church in the city was buying their first location, we sowed into that location because guess what, guys? I want us to have us a location at some point. And it's not just so that we can put a sign up over the door and, and have really nice bathrooms for the ladies. And guys, we're going to have a nice bathroom too, right? And to have a nice youth room, like, like have all the facilities. It's not so that we can continue to be generous. Because here's what I know, like, like being portable has so many benefits, but I'm using my people's energy and time, I think, in ways that we could use in other areas, right? And so I'm going to sow when we have an opportunity to sow. And so I want to encourage you. My pastor, like something he always taught is like a lot of people, they have seed in their hand, but instead of sowing the seed, they're eating their seed, and so we miss opportunities for, for, for God to increase in our life because we're being stingy with what we have. And so there is an increase that comes from generosity, but it's not so that we can just have, right? It's so that we can always, always be generous. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11 through 13, Paul gives us a couple of, of blessings here. He says, and when we take our gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things result as a result of or a result of this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give God glory for your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. He says, look, two things happen here, guys. He says, your generosity has two blessings, two other blessings that come. The first one is this, generosity answers prayer. Generosity answers prayer. There is somebody somewhere, maybe even in this room, 
at work, in your community, at school, that is praying for God to provide something. And guess who has that something? You. Notice I didn't just say money. It could be a skill that they need to step into the next season of their career or maybe start a business, or it could be that they are going through something right now that you've already been through. Guess what you have? Experience and confidence knowing that you can make it through, and they're praying for God to send them someone that has gone through this so they know they can make it through this. When we are generous in those ways, we are an answer to prayers, to someone else's prayer. Like one of my favorite experiences when, when we were planning the church and one of the things that, that I struggle with, and my team knows this, I hate asking people for help because I do not want to be a burden. And one of the things you have to do when you're starting a business, when you're starting a church, you need people, but what do you also need? Help, but you also need Money, right? It's hard enough for me to ask people for help, but to ask people for money, I just, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. And so when we started our art training, our church planning training, like, like we had to practice a pitch. And I know that sounds bad. It's like, it's, it's God's kingdom. Why should you have to practice a pitch? Because there are people that have things that I don't have. And one of those is deeper pockets. And when I've, I've got three kids, you know, um, you, if you guys want to give, you can give to feed more children, the more children. I'm just kidding, right? But, but here's, here's, here's one of the things that I knew is like, this isn't a strength of mine. And so I went to God in prayer and, and Jennifer and I, we, we had really intense conversation about this. And she was like, you, you have to start asking people for money because we're seeing on Instagram, like all these other church planners getting these large checks and we have not gotten a large check. And, and she's like, it's not like you can just pray about it and God's going to send a check in the mailbox. And I was like, watch and see what happens. And so, so I, I, I couldn't, like, it was just hard. I didn't really ask anybody. And so when I was working at FedEx, that was my prayer time. I would be stacking boxes and I would be praying, God, I need you to provide, I need you to provide. And I'd even had the conversation with, with Jonathan one day at the coffee shop. And it's like, that's my MO. I can't ask for people to give, but I'm praying that God would move on people's hearts to give. And so we left that conversation at Just Love on Old Ford. I went to work that night and I'm praying the next day, we get a check for $10,000 in the mail. I'm like, come on, Jesus. Jennifer, take that, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She's serving any kids. I love my wife greatly. She is the, literally the one that makes all this happen. But they didn't even know. I had not talked to this family in like nine months. They didn't know that I was praying for it. They knew we were starting a church, and all, but I never asked him that. He answered my prayer. Your perfectly timed text message, when someone comes to mind, your generosity of a text message amongst all the thousands of text messages. You guys remember when you used to get charged per text message? Like, there's, we couldn't afford cell phones if that was the case today, right? We, there's no way. But your perfectly timed text message, taking your time out of the day, sending that text mes message could be the encouragement that person was needing to hear that day. Don't underestimate your generosity answering someone else's prayer. Um, generosity glorifies God. He says, look, they're going to receive it. They're going to give thanks to God. Um, your giving glorifies God in two ways. One, because we're acting like our heavenly father when we give. When we give of our time, our energy, 
you know, our skill set. We're acting like our father who loved the world so much that he what? He gave. And so we're glorifying like our heavenly father. But not only that, when believers receive our gifts of generosity, they're giving thanks to God as well. So he says two things, that we answer people's prayers and God gets the glory. Verse 14 says this, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 14, it says, and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Think about this, and this may sound selfish, but when you're generous, they're gonna be grateful for it and your generosity sparks prayers for you. Now, I'm not saying like, just go start giving so you get all your, like have people praying for you. But one of the byproducts of being generous without even us maybe even recognizing it is that, that people are gonna be grateful and they're gonna thank God for you. And they're gonna ask that God blesses you in an overflow, or at least most of them will. When someone is generous with me, I'm thanking God for that person. And I'm asking God to return what they gave to me plus some. And so when we open our hands in generosity, it moves people's hearts to be able to pray for us. Um, and maybe you're thinking, well, maybe, what, if, what if they're not believers? What if we're generous with someone who's not a believer? Um, are they gonna pray for us? Here's, here's what I know. Um, everyone prays. Everyone prays. Like whether they acknowledge Christ as King, Jesus as Lord, where they, like everyone prays. Everyone is, is speaking to someone, to something. They just haven't figured out and found out who they're speaking to, right? And so you are answering their prayer. And I promise you, they're gonna whisper a thank you and they're gonna whisper a prayer over you. They don't know who they're praying to, but you know who's listening? God's listening. And scripture says that, that when we give to the poor, it's like lending to the Lord that he's gonna be the one to repay us. A couple of more things. Is this good? You okay with this? This is 1 Timothy chapter six. Paul is writing, um, giving Timothy some advice. Chapter six, verses 17 through 19. Um, he, he, he gives a couple of more um, blessings that kind of come. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And saying, look, command those who are rich in this world. Don't put their hope in wealth. Um, put their hope in God. You realize that, and you may be thinking, it's like, rich in this, why are you talking to me? I'm not rich. Um, in this world. Like in this room and the majority of this nation is richer than 95% of the people in this world, maybe even more than that, 95% guys. And so you may not consider yourself rich, but in comparison to the rest of the world, we are greatly, greatly blessed. And he's saying, look, those of you who are rich in this world, in this current world today, understand what you have. And in verse 18, he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I love that. Take hold 
of the life that is truly life. Two things, final things that generosity does. Generosity combats selfishness. It combats it like, like it's the vaccine for selfishness. Like when you start feeling selfish, guess what you better do? You better find somebody to give to because the result of that is you're going to think of yourself a little less. Um, and actually, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. And so when we are generous, what we're doing is we're looking around and we're thinking of other people and how we can impart into their life, how we can impact their life, how we can give. And what we're doing is we're taking the focus off us and we're putting it on someone else. Philippians chapter two says says this, don't just take an interest in your life but take an interest in those that are around you. And it says, have the same attitude of Christ. That's the attitude that Christ had. It's not just worrying about me, but looking out at we. Who can I help? And so it takes the focus off us and what we need. Because really, like in, in reality, what I find out in my life is, is the more stuff that you buy and you enjoy it for a while, but then the more stuff you have to have and then the more stuff you have to have. And, and we think it only applies to kids. Like I remember as a kid, I had a toy box. My kids have a toy room, right? And we accumulate things as kids, but then there are also things as adults that, that we accumulate that we think we have to have because we're thinking about us. But not only that, when, when we are generous, we're not just looking out to who we can help, but we also... Because I said last week, generosity should cost us something, right? We're also looking up and we're remembering where our source is and that we're trusting God. I'm being generous out here. I'm looking up to here for you to provide what I need and an increase. So it takes the focus off our strength and it puts it on his strength and his provision. And generosity causes us to do that. And sometimes it just honestly has to be a discipline. Like you just need to make yourself do it because it is one of the marks of a maturing Christian. And then the last thing is this, is generosity builds eternal wealth. Generosity builds eternal wealth. And it's not just wealth for this time, but it is generational. And it is things that cannot be bought with money. It's like, what does that look like? We hear the scriptures in Matthew and, and Matthew 6 says, don't store up treasures on earth where rust and moth destroy and, and thieves steal, but instead store your treasures in heaven where none of that can happen. There's never a recession in the kingdom of heaven, <laughs> right? In the kingdom economy, the stock market's not gonna hurt it. It's not gonna crash it. The crypto market, you guys saw that, right? FTX is like the crypto market. It's not going to affect it. The housing market is not going to affect it. There's never a recession in the kingdom of God. There's always increase. There's always increase. There's always increase. And whatever we give is returned back to us, but not just to us, but for those of us who are parents, our children reap the benefits of it. Our grandchildren reap the benefits of it. And each time we act generously, what we're doing is we're trusting God to bring the increase. And the greatest reward, Paul tells us over and over and over, is when we see Christ face to face. 
that's the greatest reward. That's the greatest return on investment in anything that we do in this life. And generosity, walking in that is a part of it. So here's my last challenge to you, is when you have an opportunity to be generous, don't underestimate how insignificant it can be. Don't think about, well, it's really not gonna make that much of a difference. If you have an opportunity to be generous, don't overthink it. Guess what I want you to do? Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. If it's, if it's buying someone's coffee, if it's sending a text message, if it's writing a large anonymous check to cover someone's utilities and you don't know how you're going to make ends meet at the end of the week, the end of the month, maybe trust God and see what he can do there so that you can answer prayers here now. And I love as we, as we end here, Paul makes this final statement. He ends this chapter with verse 15. And he says, thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. And there's this, there's this debate is like, is Paul talking about the gift of giving? Is he talking about the gift of salvation? Is he talking about the gift to be able to, to, to receive? And what I found in looking, you know what the answer was? Yes, it's yes to all of it. Like, like, like everything that God has done in our life is too wonderful for words. We can't even begin to describe it. And I know we all go through seasons where it was like, I, just, I, I don't know how I'm making it. For those of us who are walking with Jesus, you're making it because he's walking with you. For those of you who aren't walking with Jesus, um, walking with Jesus doesn't fix everything. It doesn't erase all your problems but it does give us someone to walk with. This, this is what I say, is that it, it doesn't um, remove all the storms from your life. It doesn't give you a storm-free life, but it gives you a storm-proof life and that you're gonna weather it. And in 2 Corinthians chapter eight, as Paul's writing to the church, he says the first thing the Macedonians did is they gave their lives to the Lord. And, and out of that, they were able to give in every other area because of the joy they received from that. And for some of you, it's like you say, I have nothing left to give, Stephen. I, I, I can't be generous. Have you given your life to the Lord? And so it starts there. And I don't know where you're at. You may have been walking with Jesus and everything's fine. Or maybe you've walked away or maybe you've never had a relationship with him. This is the first step of generosity that he wants. To, and the blessings that come with that are insurmountable. And so I want to pray for us this morning. Can we do that with every head bowed and every eye closed? And if, if that's you this morning and you need to start with your first act of generosity and, and surrendering your life to the Lord and, and, and giving him your life. It can be scary and uncertain. And we do this every single Sunday because I don't want to miss an opportunity for someone to put their life in a new direction on a new path. And if that's you this morning and, and that's where you need to start, I'm gonna ask you just to lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for this week. So I know who to lift up this week, who to pray for. Come on, that's awesome. Awesome. Look up here at me, here's what we're gonna do.
Those of you who lifted your hands, maybe you didn't, but the Holy Spirit's stirring on the inside of you and maybe something's drawing. You've not felt this before. That's the Spirit of God um, drawing you to Him. It doesn't matter what you did last week, last month. What matters is what you do in this moment right now. And it's simply starting with saying, Jesus, I give you my life. It's not all that's going to be said, but it is a moment of generous surrender to him. And it's trusting him to order your steps. It's trusting him to turn into good all the things that we're ashamed of in our past and use it for our good. And then I want to pray for the rest of us um, that we would have a conviction to be generous. That when we have an opportunity, we would just we would just do it, not overthink it, just trust God with what he's given us and what he's gonna give out. Let's pray together. Father, I just come to you this morning and I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your presence and what you've done even before this message. God, that your word would just um, cut between soul and soul and spirit, between bone and marrow and, and who we are, that it would transform us from the inside out. And, to look more like your son. And God, for those whose hearts have been drawn to you this morning, they don't have a relationship with you, or maybe they're far from you and they wanna come back into relationship with you this morning. God, I pray that they simply just say yes. And Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for what I've done. I trust that you love me, that you died for me, that you gave your life for me. I want to follow you. Whatever that conversation looks like between you and them, God, I pray that it's, it's their words. God, that you're bending down, you're, you're listening to that prayer, that, that you're, you're, you're taking the life that was and you're making it new again. You're ordering their steps. God, every ounce of guilt and shame that brought them here is being removed for love and encouragement and confidence in who you are. And God, for us as a church, as individuals, God, that we would hold everything that you've given us very loosely and understanding that from our finances, to our family even, our jobs, our influence, everything we have is from you. And you've given us a responsibility, but also an opportunity, God, to use it to impact your kingdom. And so, God, I pray that we would just live generously, that we would model you who loved us first, and out of that love, you gave the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And it's in him, it's in Jesus, that everything else that we need is wrapped up in him. And we thank you for that. God, open our eyes to see where you're moving. Open our ears to listen where you're speaking. God, give us obedience to follow you in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen, amen, amen. Hey, listen. If you pray.